Hello, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. Uh, this is a list episode where um, I'm going to talk about the filmography of the Coen brothers, or actually go through my list, my ranking, my own personal ranking of the films of the Coen brothers um, as of May 2021, that consists of 18 feature films. Um, there is a 19th film uh which is called uh, blah, 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 the tragedy of macbeth which is um you know a re retake a reimagining of the william shakespeare play um which is supposed to be probably coming out this year um which will be written and directed uh solely by joel cohen which is the first time one of the cohen brothers has done a film without the other um i don't know i don't believe that there's any sort of bad blood between them i think it's just uh is a project that joel wanted to do and you know is doing it on his own so having said that i like to do my lists in reverse order so that way um i get any sort of negativity out of the way at the beginning so um like i said there are 18 films so i'm gonna go pretty quickly particularly in the end i'll probably talk a little bit more as i get um further up the list. So number 18 is Intolerable Cruelty. Um, the, you know, starring uh, George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, it was also co-produced by Brian Grazer, which was the, who often works with Ron Howard. Um, this was, this, this one doesn't feel like a Coen Brothers film at all. It's very, um, you know, sort of standard um, romantic comedy, but it's, it's not particularly funny or very romantic, and despite the fact that uh, both of the stars are have, you know, quite a bit of charisma and charm, um, it's just it's not a it's a very forgettable film, and it's one of the Coen Brothers films that I actively despise, and um, I just I don't like this film at all. Um, can't recommend it. Uh, number 17, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is their most recent film. It was a Netflix exclusive. It's an anthology film. It's the only anthology film in their um, in their body of work. And it just... I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of people that really like it. Um, it just it didn't hit with me. I like westerns. Um, and I like a lot of this cast. It's just most of the vignettes just kind of felt like they were going nowhere i didn't like them and uh yeah it just it was meandering and you know while joel and ethan cohen are definitely visionary directors i do think um when even the even the greatest um creative minds are given complete reign to do whatever they want without sort of uh, some pushback um the work tends to be bland. Um, you know, I think having feedback from a studio, um, so on and so forth, um, creates, uh, forces, um, creative people to, to do just that, become creative and, uh, think of different ways of solving their problems. And when, you know, Netflix is one of those studios that are letting creators do whatever they like, um, you know, which people think is great, but most of the work that I've seen from, from, um, filmmakers 
who I genuinely genuinely admire. Most of their Netflix work is not their best work, um, I think, because they're just allowed to do whatever they want. And um, there's not a whole lot of input from Netflix as a studio. So, um, yeah, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, number 17. Number 16, uh, The Hudsucker Proxy. Um, very stylized, you know, it, it, um, I don't know, as I was going through the, their filmography, a film at a time, people were, uh, responding, they're like, oh, I love that movie. Uh, it just, it, it looks great. Um, it definitely is very stylized to look, um, I don't know, it looks like a musical in my opinion, uh, you know, set in the 1940s. But um, I don't connect any of the characters. It's very, they're all seem like caricatures of real people. And, uh, you know, I like Tim Roth. I like Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, uh, like Paul Newman, but it just, uh, it doesn't connect with me. So um, that was one of the first uh, Coen Brothers films I'd ever seen. I didn't really know who the Coen Brothers were. Like, it didn't register me the to me the first time I saw it. I was working at Blockbuster Video at the time, and uh, I was just like, "Oh, this might be interesting." I knew who Tim Roth, uh, not Tim Roth, uh, Tim. Why am I drawing a blank? He's very tall. Uh, he's, you know, uh, God, that's driving me nuts. Uh, uh, Tim Robbins. Hopefully, I didn't say Tim Roth before, but even if I did, it's Tim Robbins, not Tim Roth. Um, Number 15, The Lady Killers. Uh, this is a, one of their films that's a remake of an earlier work, this time a film. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks gives it his all as a very eccentric uh, criminal mastermind. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting character actors in this. I believe this is their first collaboration with J.K. Simmons. But again, it's it's not a great, uh, not a great film. It's it's weird. It has a lighter tone, sort of a fun tone through most of it. But Marlon Wayans' character, you know, uses so much profanity that they obviously had to give the film an R rating, and it just doesn't tonally sit with the rest of the film. It's just kind of a it, it, it's kind of a miss. Um, yeah, um, not much more to say about that. Um, number fourteen, Blood Simple, their their debut film. Certainly, you know, watching it, you can see where a lot of their themes came from. It's one of their, I mean, the Coen brothers make two types of films, really, you know, dark, um, usually criminally uh, themed films, and then more whimsical, goofy films. And this is definitely a dark one without any of the whimsy in it. Um, and you can see how they were going to develop as filmmakers, but in retrospect, watching it, this is a very boring film and, um, kind of the characters are slight and the events in the film are, I don't know, not that interesting. It is their first collaboration with Francis McDormand, um, Joel Cohen's wife, uh, although they were not married at the time. And, uh, I think of all the actors that they work with multiple times, her characters run the gamut of all different, uh, different types. Um, but yeah, uh, not, not an amazing, not an amazing film in retrospect. 
So that's the last of the films that I would say I of, of their films that I don't like. So it's five out of eighteen. So that I I think that's okay. Uh, number thirteen is a serious man, which um, this is one of the few films that when I was going through their filmography I had not seen before. Um, uh, stars Michael Storsberg, and m- unlike most of their films, um, you know, had mostly relatively unknown and character actors and uh you know i've seen him in other stuff since but at the time in 2009 when it came out i didn't know who he was and um you know it takes place in the late 1960s uh it's a uh jewish american man uh and you know uh, just a series of uh bad coincidences and happenstance befalls him and just how he slowly unwinds uh it was interesting uh, I can't say it's one of my favorite one of his films, but it is a good, solid film. And it was, I, I don't know if it was, you know, an intentional exercise for the Coens or not, but it, it kind of shows uh, what they're able to do just just kind of with their screenplay, with their script, rather than relying on the, the charisma of big name actors. And, uh, you know, they're, they're great filmmakers, so... Um, you know, it's, it still worked. Uh, number, number 12, going the opposite direction, the film before it, um, burn after reading has a ton of stars, you know, Francis McDormand, uh, Brad Pitt, John Malkovich, uh, George Clooney, um, JK Simmons is in it as well. I didn't really like this movie when I saw it in the theater. Um, I think because it followed no country for old men, which is probably their darkest film, their most serious film. Um, but uh and this is this is a goofy film but it, it it has a weird tone and there is there's a lot of profanity in it particularly from John Malkovich but there's also um there's the there's not much violence in it but the violence that is in it is quite um jarring cuz it's in in contrast to um the sort of goofy nature of the rest of the film uh but uh, I liked it a lot more watching it this this time than uh, when I had seen it originally. And uh, particularly Brad Pitt's character. Brad Pitt is all in on this uh, over-the-top performance and as a, uh, you know, a guy who works at, a, uh, at this gym. He actually, I think part of what I enjoyed so much about it is he reminds me a lot of one of my current co-workers. And uh, yeah, it's... It is a fun film. Uh, number 11, Hail Caesar, another film I didn't really like when I saw it. I think probably because of the musical aspects and, but also I was just, it was kind of a head scratcher, but it is a, another stylized film. Uh, it's funny because some of their films, they go for real um, stark realism and some of them, it, it reminds me of Broadway musicals. Um, but uh, this one, I liked it more watching it this time. Uh, Josh Brolin's uh, portrayal in particular, it seemed like he was channeling John Polito in a lot of the earlier Coen Brothers films. John Polito had unfortunately passed because I am certain if he was still alive, he would have been cast in this role. But, um, and, and the big name star, it, it, it's kind of fun to see, you know, George Clooney, Scarlett Johansson and other actors kind of aping the stylized uh, 1940s, uh, 19. 19- 50s 
uh, acting style of the big studios. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, let's see, number 10, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, their sole film with James Gandolfini, uh, starring starring picture for uh, Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, kind of reminiscent, or I guess his the character he played in the first season of Fargo, the television show, which while not helmed by the Fargo, uh, the Fargo, while not helmed by the Coen brothers, um, certainly inspired by their film and uh, they were executive producers on it. But the character that Billy Bob Thornton plays in that is similar, although darker in nature than the character he played in The Man Who Wasn't There. But uh, a really understated performance from Billy Bob Thornton. Um, nice performance from uh, James Gandolfini and, you know, another very different role for Francis McDormand. Um, the last 15 minutes of this film I really don't like compared to the rest of the film, but uh, um, a really interesting ride up until that point. It's also uh, their only black and white film. Yeah, and uh, it works really well for the the tone and the atmosphere of this movie. Number nine, True Grit, which was their second uh, collaboration with Jeff Bridges. Their uh, second or third with Josh Brolin. And uh, I believe the only appearance that Matt Damon has in one of their films, although they've uh, co-written and produ co-produced some of the films that he's done since then. And... Uh, uh, also the the film debut, I believe, of Haley Steinsfeld. Um, great, great take on this film. I much prefer this to the John Wayne original. Um, this is more, you know, their darker, more realistic type of film. And, you know, I think this is a far better Western than The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I really enjoy it. Number eight, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, another uh, very whimsical, even though it's technically not a musical, there is a lot of music in it, but it has the feel of that. And, um, you know, it's it's their own take on the Odyssey. Uh, George Clooney, John Turturro, Tim Blake Nelson are great as uh, three convicts who are, you know, traveling around trying to, you know, get back to their homes and just kind of on a lark cut a, a song at a, at a recording studio and it becomes a hit and then there's sort of misadventures, but it's, it's fun. I know some people that think this is their best film. I don't necessarily agree, but um, it is a lot of fun. It was a, their first collaboration with music producer T-Bone Burnett, who would go on to do the, you know, produce the music for Inside Lewin Davis as well. Uh, number seven, Raising Arizona. This was their second film. Um, I'm positive that this must have been. No, it wasn't my first Coen Brothers film that I saw, but it was one of them. Uh, you know, in stark contrast to Blood Simple, this is a goofy film. Uh, you know, uh, Holly Hunter and uh, Nicolas Cage both give fantastic um, wackadoo performances. It's also the first appearance of John Goodman in a Coen Brothers film. Uh, first of, I believe, six appearances. The only person who, who they've worked with more acting-wise is Francis McDormand. Uh, but uh, Raising Arizona, a lot of fun. Probably the closest thing to an outright comedy that they've made. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. It's a cult classic. Number six, Inside Lewin Davis. 
Uh, this is another one of the ones I had not seen until watching the um, decided to watch all of their films together in this. It was um, I can't put my finger on why I didn't watch it. I know it was a deliberate choice when it came out that I wasn't going to watch it. I just I think part of it was I had no idea who Oscar Isaac was in uh, when was this? Yeah, 2013. And um, who's you know, in the last decade has consist has been consistently one of my favorite actors and everything that he's done. And, but I think also coupled with, I didn't know who he was and, you know, t it takes place in the sixties folk scene at the time. I was like, not interested, but, um, it's a great film, uh, beautiful music. Uh, and I love that all the actors who sing in the film are actually singing, um, other than, uh, you know, Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons does the, the, the off screen singing of, uh, Lewin Davis's deceased partner. It, you know, it's on, it, it's only heard through records. It's not, there's not any sort of ghosts or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, not a lot actually happens in the film. It's one of those films that's not actually about anything, but it, the, the character's, uh, journey and interaction with the other characters is fantastic. And, uh, yeah, really dig inside Lewin Davis. I'm glad I saw it. Um, number five, Barton Fink. This was the first, um, Coen brothers film that I had ever seen. And, um, certainly I think one of their most underrated films, um, fantastic performance from John Turturro, uh, frightening performance from John Goodman. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a dark, weird picture, and I really, really dig it. It really kind of, if I were to pick one film is, that is the most quintessential Coen Brothers film, um, I know a lot of people might pick Fargo, but I would say Barton Fink. Um, let's see, number four, Fargo. Um, probably their most critically hailed film. Uh, you know, Frances McDormand won an Oscar for her portrayal in this Watching it this time, you know, and I obviously it's number four. I still really, really like it, but it didn't quite have the power that I remembered it having. Um, I think because they've done some of their best work since this film, um, you know, it's really kind of a tentpole picture for um, where they were at this point in their career. And it really stood out. But, you know, it was only one, two, three, four. Five. It was only their sixth film out of 18 films. So. You know, they have done quite a bit of work since then that has equally impressive, in my opinion. Um, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, number three, Miller's Crossing. And uh, this is, you know, a bone of contention with a, a, a few of my friends who think this is their their greatest film. It is a fantastic film. This was their per first uh, period film. Um Gabriel Byrne gives a fantastic performance. Uh, Albert Finney, fantastic in this. Marsha Gay Harden, um, another Weasley performance from John Turturro, who's just pitch perfect in this. And, you know, the aforementioned John Polito is great in this, too. It's just, it's a great uh, 1930s, question mark, uh, period crime film. And one of the best gangster films ever made, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I love Miller's Crossing. It's, it's, uh, it's a, a great film. Number two, 
The Big Lebowski, definitely the most quotable of the Coen Brothers films. Uh, again, one of those things where the plot doesn't matter at all. It's the interaction, particularly between the dude and Walter. But uh, I don't know. Everyone's pretty great in this. It's just uh, probably their most watchable film as far as holding up to repeat viewings is probably the one that I've seen the most. Uh, just love the big Lebowski. And then, uh, number one, no country for old men. Definitely their darkest film. Uh, um, Javier Bardem is amazing as Anton Chigurh. Um, sort of a, uh, insane specter of a human being, um, as the antagonist of the film. But, uh, you know, jo uh, Josh Brolin is excellent in this, as is Kelly McDonald, who's a Scottish actress playing a Texas woman uh, with an amazing uh, accent job. And, uh, uh, yeah, just, just a great film all around. Um, it's brutal. It's intense. And uh, it really doesn't let up from the opening scene onward. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones, really understated performance in this. Um, I do think, you know, inevitably when Tommy Lee Jones does, does pass on and they do a sort of a, a montage, this will be one of the films that he's remembered most for. And uh, yeah, I think rightfully so. Uh, I love No Country for Old Men, probably in my top 25 films of all time. And uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely recommend it. So that is my ranking, my own personal ranking of the Coen Brothers films. Uh, most of these films, I think, are exceptional, and I recommend almost all of them. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.